What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Spend my dollar. It's not about what you want. It's about what you're willing to do to get it. Run it again. Hello and welcome. I'm not going to, so quit asking. When you give me a hard time. For the listeners that didn't get to go. This is the payback. What you did last year really doesn't matter. Our goal is to have the kind of team that nobody wants to play. Hi. Hello and welcome to an I Guess Alabama Does Have a Fiddle in the Band edition of the Alabama Football Podcast. Just like that lead guitar, the temperature, not the tide, was blazing hot in Austin. But in the end, it was ice water in the veins that allowed the tide to escape with the wind. On what ended up being a prospective realignment day in college football. Just ask Notre Dame, Texas A&M, Florida, Nebraska, Baylor, what we really mean by that. And uh, certainly if they would be willing to change positions with us in our lackluster win. But we know the answer to that question. And we know that that metric, that measure is not our standard. So let's do what we do. Here we go. Offense, you're up. Yep. Yep. There you go. There you go. Now, now, now ease off the clutch. Put it in. Put it. Oh, 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 what? Oh, okay. Well, let's try it again. Let's try it again. There. Oh, oh, oh. There you go. There you go. You know what? By the fourth quarter, you'll have this nailed. All right. Here we go. We're going to talk offense and we're going to start how we do, like we do, with Bryce. And we're going to talk about Bryce like we talk about Will Anderson in that his performance was significantly better than his numbers. They weren't bad numbers. They just weren't superstar, stellar, outstanding numbers that we typically see see from Bryce. Bryce puts up a big performance, and his numbers show it. Saturday, Bryce put up a tremendous performance, and his numbers, they weren't quite that sparkly. Uh, Let's take a look at them. Overall, Bryce was 27 of 39. That's a just shy of a 70% uh, completion percentage, so that's nice. Nothing shameful there. Uh, He had 213 yards. That's a low number for Bryce. We've seen Bryce you know, top 300 on the reg. We've seen uh, Bryce top 400. At 213, his average attempt was 5.5 yards. That's pretty pedestrian, especially with what we've seen the last couple of years with those down downfield threats where we would connect, uh, Alabama would connect on, connect on larger passes. However, in the fourth quarter, in the fourth quarter, Bryce was 15 of 19, just shy of 80%. Uh, he had 11 completions in a row at one point. And he threw for, uh, in the fourth quarter, 136 yards. That's 64% of his total yardage, 213, in the fourth quarter. Sandwiched in between the first and fourth quarter were sort of yuckiness, terrible Oreo cookie. Uh, It was just abysmal, two scoreless quarters. There was a stretch 
where Alabama punted uh, six times, six straight uh, possessions. It was terrible, but there were. But the fourth quarter was absolutely outstanding. Uh, two scoring drives, uh, ten points, and and as bad as it was, some of what we saw in the fourth quarter was absolutely brilliant. Two plays, none better on the day uh, than Bryce's uh, two plays contributing or leading to the scores. He rolled out under pressure, backpedaled, threw a laser to Jamar Gibbs for uh, Jamar Gibbs for the touchdown. And then on the, the second-to-last Alabama uh, offensive play, uh, Bryce did his best duck-dip-dodge imitation to elude a defender, 20-yard gain that set up the Will Reichard uh, game-winning, what ended up being the game-winning uh, field goal. That was Bryce just playing like a point guard, playing with that ice water in his veins, absolutely, without question. The game, this Texas game, was about Bryce on one hand. On the other hand, it wasn't about Bryce. This was almost, referendum is really a strong word, but it almost was a referendum for the rest of the team. It set a laser-like vision for what is needed from the rest of the team to play to Bryce's standard, who is playing to the Alabama standard. So let's break this down. We're going to do this similar but different. Uh, We're going to go through uh, position groups. We'll name individuals. We'll name players. uh, But we're going to do a little bit of dissection on, on some of this and talk about where we looked bad, but where it can clean up. And we're going to go sort of position group by position group in uh, in that regard. So the running game, you know, Jace had an 81-yarder, which was outstanding. Uh, in fact, I will say that from a, a health perspective, uh, coming back from his knee injury perspective, I didn't think he had that in him, uh, frankly, that, that type of breakaway speed. I thought last year, pre-injury, he looked really good, and I'm a big fan of McClellan, so don't hear me say anything different from that. But his sophomore season, I thought he had bulked up a little bit and maybe lost some of the speed that he had as a true freshman. That's what my eyes told me. And coming back from a knee injury, I, I suspected that he might even lose a step over what he demonstrated last year. Well, color me wrong. He had an 80-yarder his freshman uh, season, and Saturday against Texas, he had an 81-yarder. So it was his longest uh, career run. Otherwise, however, Jace was five of 16, or five five carries for 16 yards. So just over three a carry, a little bit of pedestrian there after his breakout run. We're super excited about that breakout run. Every point that Alabama scored was material to the outcome of the game, and certainly that long touchdown was as well. Jameer Gibbs, for my money, was a little bit of a mixed bag, although he's electric. And we see spark every time he uh, he every time he touches the ball. As a runner, he was nine of twenty-two, and so clearly two weeks in a row, I think the defense is keen off of uh, Jameer Gibbs. So he only had an average of two point four. We're going to talk about uh, Gibbs again when we get to the passing game, but uh, he did have nine receptions for seventy-four yards with a critical touchdown. And so we love the performance uh, that Gibbs provides, and we absolutely love the versatility that he is demonstrating. Saban talks about tight ends and running backs as sort of X factors or mismatch players in the passing game. And boy, did Jameer Gibbs live up to that and certainly demonstrate that with nine receptions, 74 yards, and uh, a critical touchdown. All right, Roydell Williams, uh, absolutely. Uh, it was good to see him in there. But he absolutely was maybe a little bit curious when he came in on a, on a fourth and one. But I looked at it as 
that may – Roydale Williams, I think, is probably our most physical running back, although he's not a big sort of bruising running back. And I thought there was, a, there was enough sort of, hmm, Alabama may be trying to run something here because they're bringing in Jameer Gibbs. They're, or, or, I'm sorry, they're bringing in Roydale Williams you know, maybe their third string running back. So they're not going to run with their third string running back. They're going to pass. And so I think that created some opportunity because Roy Dale, I think, is just a, a notch below the, the first two guys in terms of his talent. And for my money, he missed the hole. He ran up behind the center, got caught up in the center's legs. And then, but the hole was right there on the right, uh, right there on the right side between uh, Echior and uh, Dalcourt, and if he had just hit the hole, just tagged the hole, it would have been a clear uh, first down. But he ran up behind the center, got tripped up in the center's legs, that extra step out, then to hit the hole, that allowed the linebacker to collapse and uh, and, and sort of fit the fill uh, or uh, sort of, you know, cover his gap. And, uh, again, if Roy Dale had just, you know, heads down, you know, attacked the hole with a vengeance, then he would have gotten two yards. It would have been very clear. First down Alabama. And uh, a lot happened after that play. That was a fourth down. Alabama's trying to ice the game up by one in that situation. Uh, could have kicked a field goal to go up by four. Saban talked about he wanted to sort of shrink the game, not sort of force Texas to, what I'm reading between the lines, uh, not really force Texas to have to uh, be aggressive and score a touchdown, but maybe go down, kick a field goal, and then give Alabama time. That's exactly what happened. So when we didn't make that, uh, Texas then took the lead, and then Alabama came back with just enough time to have an opportunity to kick a field goal uh, to win the game. So that fourth down was critical. Alabama would have had a fresh set of downs at that point could have run out the clock with the lead and it was about at the 25 yard line. And so certainly within field goal range, kick that field goal with, uh, with, you know, maybe a minute less on the clock or uh, go in for a, a touchdown and really just put the game away. And so that's what we needed. That's what Alabama needed in that spot. And uh, you hit the hole, uh, you get that. And um, you know, you get that first down, I think pretty easily. And so I'm uh, piling on a little bit, not with mean-spirited, but as Alabama fans, we've got to go back and sort of critically watch that play. And if he just puts his head right in that hole, it's a two-yard game. It's game over with a lot less sort of heart palpitations uh, in the meantime. The offensive line, there's issues there. and But I think they're all imminently correctable. There's A-gap issues. And we saw this some last year, and then it got better. And uh, we're seeing it this. Uh, we're seeing it uh, again this year. Now the A gap is is the the two holes between the uh, uh, between the guards. And so there's guard center guard. And so at the center there's the right uh, the right A gap to the to the right guard, and there's the left A gap to uh, uh, to the left guard. But that whole sort of guard to guard where the center is guard to guard that that's the A gap or A gaps, uh, if you will. And so Alabama struggled with A gap protection all day. And for a little bit, I want to be careful here because I'm a thread of needle. We predicted it, but we didn't predict it, uh, if that makes sense. Uh, on the podcast, we did not explicitly call out that Alabama is going to have an issue at, at the A-gap, that it's going to have the line is going to struggle in the middle of the line. We didn't explicitly say it that way, but I'll tell you what we did predict. We did predict that the starting players at left guard – uh, would be Kendall Randolph, but we thought by game two or three or four, we'd see Javon Cohen return to that position. And then we predicted that the coaching uh, offensive line would have uh, Darian Dowcourt at the center, and we predicted by games three, four, the end of the season, we would see Seth McLaughlin uh, retake that position where he played very, very well 
late last season. So in the game, in the Texas game, we saw uh, Javon Cohen come in and take that left guard position. And so my suspicion is that that's his position now. We predicted that he would be he would overtake his starting role, and we may have seen that Saturday. Uh, so we'll see how the, the roster plays out. And then we have predicted, again, in our offensive uh, pregame preseason show, uh, we predicted that a couple games in, Seth McLaughlin would come in and overtake the center position. And uh, Darian Dalcourt has all the measures, measurables. He's taller, he's heavier, he's probably you know bigger and stronger than Seth. But I think you know, and we have observation of this. We saw this last season when Seth came in, the offensive line just settled down. And even going against bigger, stronger, more physical players, Seth held his own. He played well. He didn't shrink in the moment uh, physically or sort of emotionally, if you will. And uh, the offensive line as a whole stabilized. We think he was better at making the calls and, and uh, you know, adjusting the protections and such, which a center has responsibility for. I think Dalcourt potentially could move to a center or to, to a guard and be very effective because physically he can do it. I don't want to say mentally he can't do it because that has a connotation, but there's a lot more responsibility at the center position than there is a guard position. And so I think that extra load taxes uh, Darian in a way that Seth Seth is built for. So we'll see how uh, this next week unfolds, what the offensive line uh, looks like. Uh, Again, I'm not saying that we we predicted it, but uh, in some sense we did. Uh, we knew that there were, uh, we knew that there would have to be bumps in the road for the for the players to change, and we thought there'd be a forty percent turnover in the in the starting offensive line within sort of the first month of the season, and we may have seen sort of the first the first such transition on Saturday, uh, but they get protections. Uh, there were sacks. Bryce was hit very hard on a number of plays, and certainly some rushed passes. Uh, we were so glad to see Cameron Latou back. We think he's uh, he, he's a, going to be a big contributor at the tight end position. He had a couple of, of, of key passes, but one of the plays that never gets that will not get spoken to. It'll just be lost in history. And you had to go back and and and, and really look at it. One play, Bryce was 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 under duress, and he threw off his back foot. And who was he throwing to? He was throwing downfield. A lot of say, how many passes do we attempt downfield? One of the passes we attempted downfield was. Bryce throwing to an open, I won't say wide open, but he had a step. He was ahead of the defender and had that had Bryce had an opportunity to set his feet and place the ball as we know that he can. That would have been a big play for Alabama, 25 plus yards. But as it was thrown off his back foot under duress, it was underthrown and it was an incomplete pass. So, again, you know, pressure in the middle. Uh, sometimes it's sacks, sometimes it's bad throws. It's called affecting the quarterback, just like Saban says. And we saw that type of pressure coming from the A-gap. I can guarantee you, write this down 100%, every team we play the rest of the season, they they knew that we might be susceptible there based on last year, and we really weren't changing any of the players in the middle. And everyone that said, hey, we're going to test that when we play them, they said, yep, there it is again. We see that weakness. And so as Alabama – coaching staff as Alabama fans, what we should root for, what we should, you know, to the extent that we can call for is let's make the change that stabilized the line last year, but let's make it in week three as opposed to week, you know, December, you know, whatever, uh, November, whatever that was when it was really too late for for some games. So that's offensive line. Let's talk about wide receivers. Talk about a unit that uh, sort of shriveled up. And in, uh, in the in the Texas heat, that would be the Alabama wide receivers. And I'm not mad at anyone individually, but let's call out some performances. 
Uh, Treshawn Holden, who I really like and I still predict is going to have uh, a breakout this season. He had a very quiet four receptions. Ja'Cory Brooks, who was invisible week one and invisible for much of week two, he burst out with three catches all in the second half. Uh, he had, and, and I'd have to go back and, and, and sort of drive them out, but it seems like maybe they were all or most late in the third, early fourth. Uh, he had two 13, 14-yard receptions back-to-back. I think that was during, I think that was during the eleven completion uh, cycle. So he was uh, instrumental in helping us move the ball. I think we've got to find uh, a role uh, for for Ja'Cory. Kobe Prentiss, the true freshman last week, that really sort of burst on the seams. Uh, I think he sort of had a, a, a he had a tremendous step forward last week. I think he had a little bit of a, a step back. Now he had four carries, or I'm sorry, four receptions, but he missed the read on a route. When you know when the defender uh, come when the when the defensive end or linebacker you know steps in, then the receiver needs to sit down in his route, and he continued he continued to run and Bryce threw that that ball about a yard behind him, whereas if he had just sat down in the route, it, it would have been a, a completion. Whereas it was, it's not even a it's not necessarily even a drop. It was just an, it wasn't really a drop. It was just an incompletion uh, because his body relative to where the ball went, it was just a yard of differential. And if he had sat down and you know sank down, sat down in the route route, he would have remained open. The ball would have been delivered, would have helped us move the chains, which is what, what we needed. Now, that's a young receiver that can go back and watch that film and watch it again and watch it again and sit with coaches and sit with Bryce and sit with the other receivers. And uh, he'll, he'll pick that up. Uh, but it's a type of performance. And we've said this before, and we say this a lot with offensive linemen because sort of the image is more you know visceral. If you want to get a holding call, it's going to happen. But not everyone gets one. Not everyone gets a holding call. And so what you don't, what you want to do is not get a holding call. So if someone else has one, we don't, we're not giving up five plays here. Um, and so it's like that, you know, you don't want to miss a route because miss routes are going to happen, but not everyone gets one. That's six or seven different, you know, drop passes or missed, you know, completions. And some of those are critical uh, third downs. And so uh, Kobe had his, let's get that corrected and let's not do that again. And I think, I, th- I think we'll see uh, progression there. Uh, Jermaine Burton had a very quiet, a very very quiet two uh, receptions. I still think he can be uh, the lead receiver for the for this unit, and uh, would have would have hoped uh, expected to see him step up. I think he has a leadership role. I think he has some talent, uh, certainly some skill set, and so he's a player that didn't step up uh, in a way that we would like. Uh, there's a little bit. This is a little bit of seesaw. There's a little bit. I can I can talk about Burton, but you know, reality is. Bryce was under duress uh, a number of times, and maybe when he was breaking open, there was the duress. Maybe there was the sack when Burton was was going to be open. And so there's a little bit of sort of yin and yang on that. I'm not mad at any of the individuals, but, you know, those things happen. We talk about Cam getting loose uh, on, on what would have been a big game, and we had leakage uh, across the offensive line that allowed us to not complete that pass. That's not Cam's fault. And uh, some of these receivers uh, are going to fall into that category or fall into that boat as well. Now, Isaiah Bond, he just flat dropped a pass. And uh, true freshman out there, that's going to happen. But not everyone gets one. Kobe had one. Isaiah had one. Hey, that's two. That's two. We don't need two. And uh, at least one was on a third down, maybe two. And uh, we don't. This, that's not what we're going for. That's not what we need. Gibbs, we did talk about him. He had nine for 74 with a critical game winning. It wasn't the field goal that that won the game, but it was a critical uh, touchdown at a critical uh, point, uh, at a cr- critical point in the game. It gave us the lead back. Again, Texas you know, did what they did, and, and we were able to come back and kick the field goal. And again, 
there's good in this, right? Alabama did did complete, Bryce Young did complete 11 straight passes in the fourth quarter. And so there's a little bit of, hey, this Alabama team is not the 80s Lakers where, you know, they can just decide to turn it on in the playoffs. That's not what this team is. And so they're going to, this, this team, this unit is going to have to bootstrap it like Bryce did. And, uh, and I think overall, we tighten up a couple of things across the offensive line, which we're potentially seeing some personnel shifts there. And these wide receivers come out not believing their press after the uh, Utah State game, but recognizing what they need to go to work to do every day based on the Texas game. And, and this Alabama offense can get right. Now, we talked about execution, and we have some other sort of execution points. Uh, I want to be careful talking about play calling because there's a lot that uh, can go into that. And then a play can be called, but then the execution of that play, we talked about this with the run with Roydell. It was the great call. It was perfectly executed by everyone except for, you know, a singular individual. And so is that a bad play call? No, I don't think it, it is at all. It's 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 execution. So let's talk about uh, sort of that grab bag of, of those sort of interspersed topics. The fourth quarter offense was different. It was built different. It executed different. It played different. There was an urgency. And so that, whatever sort of you could distill that down into, the team needs to do that the first three quarters of the game. And uh, I think I, I think that's that's effort, that's execution, and maybe it is a little bit of play calling. Maybe, maybe it is. What we did in the fourth quarter, maybe those are not the same, not all of the same plays that we called uh, the rest of the game. So we need to think about that. We need to self-scout on that. The wide receiver screens – I'm not mad at a wide receiver screen as a as a play call. It's it's sort of a staple of the Bob offense, but sometimes it was it was the execution. I don't think it was uh, I, don't, I don't think it was necessarily a bad play call, but it was the execution of it because we've seen you know Rugs and 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 Jalen and Jerry Judy and Devonta. We've seen them be very successful with the wide receiver screen. So I don't think it's a bad play. I don't think it's a bad concept. What I saw was some really subpar execution. There was one play, uh, one play in particular. You know, we've got the two wide receivers lined out wide. Uh, there's a there's a defender sort of man on each of them, and and so it's sort of a two by two by two, if you will, two wide receivers, two defenders. Now, uh, technically, I'm going to say that one of the receivers, the one farthest from or the one closer to the middle of the field uh the inside receiver they're both lined out wide but the inside uh receiver needs to step off the line of scrimmage uh so uh so he's not covered up so he's still an eligible receiver but for the sake of discussion you know they're they're two by two and so one of uh and in fact it was the inside receiver that uh was blocking and so he went out to block and the outside receiver stepped back behind the line of scrimmage you know, to get to get the screen. Now, that's that's sort of the design of it. That's OK. Now, what I didn't like is when you're in this two by two, it's sort of man to man. Right. It, it presents visually as, as man to man. And, you know, it's a quick striking play and, you know, it's two on two. And so the receiver not catching the ball, his objective should be how do I tie up just for a a hair, just for a split second, just for a heartbeat, how do I tie up both of these wide receivers? And and I didn't go back and get names because I'm not trying to pick on individual players, 
But the in, inside receiver did not – You just the execu- execution of the play was not even in his mindset. He rushed out and blocked the man that was on him, leaving the man that was on the other receiver unabated to the receiver that's sort of taken a step back to, to catch the ball. And so it was a two-yard loss. And, of course, it's going to be a two-yard loss because there's no effort made. There's no attention to – I got to try to hold up both of these guys. And you do that. It's just a simple, it's a simple concept. Don't go out and just try to block the man that's head up over you. Go cut across his body and try to block the other guy or cut across his body and, and, and sort of run a a rub route. And, and, and then the guy that's on you is going to react to you. And the guy that's going to block that's, that's on the other receiver, he has to, because you've, you fronted him out. You faced him. And so he has to react to you. And again, and then the and then the receiver that's catching the screen, tech steps back, catches the ball, and then he runs under all of that. And then and if he can get around it, then he's got space to run. That's the design of the play. And the execution was, oh, I'm gonna block my guy, and I guess he's on his own on his other guy. Well, then that's just poor, that's just poor execution. So the play design was there, the execution was atrocious. That's imminently fixable. Like I'm explaining how to fix that. Do you think the coaches can't explain how to fix that? And so, and certainly that's not how it was designed. It was not executed to its design. In no way uh, should any of us uh, believe that. And so we're going to see stuff like that cleaned up. And we're going to see that play five or six times this next week. Watch for sort of the two by two sort of setup and how we run it and how we execute against that. And, and I almost guarantee that that it'll be much improved. We've talked about the A gap issue across the offensive line. I think we're I think I think we're one half of the way to correcting that. That's not mad me not me and mad at Kendall Randolph at all. But I think we know that Javon Cohen is is the better guard. He started at the position last year, and so we think he's going to be back uh, in that position. And it will be it will be interesting to see what happens uh, across the offensive line. And look, we don't need. I want to be careful how I say this. I want us to be a stone wall and just completely stone out the defensive line. I mean, of course we would want that. But you know what we need? We need a couple of half seconds here or there. That pass to Cam, half a second. And that's a completed ball. So we need a couple of half seconds. We don't need we don't need a wall. We don't need a, a curtain that just bl- blocks out the defensive lineman. I'll take it. Of course, we all will. But what we really need is a couple of half seconds so that we can complete some of these passes. And then what we also need is uh, a little bit of personnel. And again, I'm not mad at our wide receivers, but Tyler Harrell, who's coming off uh, an injury from camp, there's Rumor speculation that he might be back this next week, which I think would be significant. We need someone that can stretch the field. And stretching the field is, you know, vertically is two components. The offensive line, you you can have you can have the fastest receiver in the world, you know, running nines all game long. You can have three Jamison Williams back, all running nines. But if the offensive line doesn't give the quarterback time to to set and throw that pass, then it doesn't matter. And so what we need is a little bit, we talk about these half seconds, we need a little bit of improvement across the offensive line, and then we need to run these nines. We need to release the hounds on some of these downfield passes. I think Tyler Harrell, uh, if he comes back and he's to form, I think uh, he gives us 
he gives us uh, a little bit of that. I'm going to say, you know, Saban always says, never waste a loss. And I, I'm going to paraphrase that a little bit. Never waste a hair of your chinny-chin-chin win. And that's what uh, this Alabama offense needs to do. Everything that we've talked about here uh, is frustrating and it's mind-numbing. And it costs, it almost costs us the game. But by golly, it's all fixable. Uh, everything I saw was fixable. It's a little bit of experience. It's a little bit of guys buckle down, do your job, uh, do what you're supposed to do. And if everyone contributes just a little bit, that's all we need. It's just a little bit of correction. Catch that ball, run the right route, block just that extra second, get the right player in there that's going to assist, execute the the screen, the, the wide receiver screen the right way. So it's a two, three yard gain or potentially more. Uh, a skill player in, in space, right? Let's allow him to have that space. These are all fixable, and it's a handful of players uh, that, can, that can make those corrections and I think uh, make a tremendous difference. Offensive mini game ball, I'm going to give that to Emil Echior. He had sort of a, a critical key block on Jace's, uh, Jace's 81-yard uh, touchdown run, and so mini game ball to Emil Echior in that regard. All right, let's flip the field like we do. And talk defense, I'm going to tell you, if the Tide's offense is a puppy uh, that needs to be house-trained, then the Tide defense is a bipolar patient that is off their meds. And, um, you know, analogies can still be funny. Bijan Robinson, uh, let's run through some of this, right? Why why would I say such a thing? Uh, Bijan Robinson, arguably the best running back in college football, was held to 57 yards on uh, 21 carries. That's a 2.7 average. That's Leonard Fournette territory, right? That's Leonard Fournette territory when we would absolutely uh, shut him down. The tied defense, and so that's outstanding. That's a great performance. However, Alabama had 15 penalties. Ten of those penalties were on defense. Seven of those ten penalties on defense were on drives where Texas scored. Texas had four scoring drives Alabama had seven. I'm going to help you with easy ones, right? Alabama had seven penalties on Texas's four scoring drives. And it was just as you would math it out. Two, two, one, and two were the penalty breakdown. It was two on three of them and, and one and one on another. And, uh, you know, we can go back and look at those plays, watch those possessions, watch those drives. Those were penalties that kept those drives alive and in a couple of instances gave first downs uh, that would that Texas may not have otherwise gotten. And I will not say that those seven penalties contributed directly to Texas' score, but my, did they contribute indirectly. So those are things that can, can all be cleaned up. Will Anderson really had some bonehead penalties. He had three himself, every single one of those eminently correctable. And, you know, you potentially certainly make it harder for Texas to score. Uh, I honestly start to think, and it's if and nuts and candy and butts and whatever, but if you start to take away some of those penalties, you start to take away points from Texas. And what happened happened. 
But it, in terms of is it correctable? Is it fixable? Yes, it is. It's so darn correctable. It's so darn fixable. fixable. Learn the rules of when uh, players down. I just I don't understand some of this, but it's so eminently correctable. Line up across, you know, appropriately along the line of scrimmage. And I'm picking on Will, but I'm not meaning to pick on Will. Those are just the easy, obvious ones, right? Fix that, and the defense gets better. Physical defensive play. Too much at times because we talked about the the seven penalties. We did. Uh, I want to be careful. I say this. Uh, we did knock out one and a half quarterbacks. We had three sacks. We had three pass deflections. We had seven tackles for loss. We say this all the time. Say it with me. We do not root for injury. We're not trying to maim anyone. We're not trying to take anyone out of the game. We're not trying to play dirty. We're not trying to hurt anyone. Sometimes physical play leads to injury. It just does. I don't think Dallas's play. Uh, Dallas's play uh, on Ewers, I don't think it was dirty. It was as physical as hell, but I don't think it was dirty. And so uh, now people can argue with me. That's fine. I just at me, but I don't think it. I think it was physical, not dirty. The physical play was outstanding. Although on a couple of the pass interferences, maybe you know we got away with a couple when we were tagged on a couple. I think we got to use our physicality in the right places. Alabama held. Texas to three of 12 on third down conversions. Now the irony is there, we gave them first downs on second down that maybe we, we shouldn't have, but three of 12 on, on third down conversions is, 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 is amazing. However, at the same time, the Alabama defense gave up almost 400 yards. We held Texas. We talked about this uh, with Robinson. We held Texas to 79 yards rushing a 2.4 average. That's Leonard Fournette territory for an Alabama defense. Meanwhile, Meanwhile, at the same time, we allowed almost, or the tide allowed almost 300 yards passing. Well, that starts to be Steven, Steven Garcia territory. And so we, we can't have the both of them. We need both on the right side uh, of the ledger. We do these things that are really, really good. And then we go out and, and, uh, and do something that, that's significantly uh, less so. So we need to get all of that sort of lined up on the right side of, of where the team needs to be, where we want the team to be. Uh, Xavier Worthy is a look like a Devonta Smith clone uh, in terms of his size and frame and uh, his tenacity for the ball. He had five catches for uh, 97 yards, but after we made a change at the corner position, he had three catches on six targets, but only 29 yards. And so that was after the first quarter. And so we did something really good there. We made an adjustment and played really good in that regard. But uh, Jordan Whittington, uh, was he picked up the slack. He had seven catches uh, for 64 yards, and almost nearly every bit of that after uh, Worthy was sort of iced out. And uh, so they said, well, we're just going to go to another receiver and, and, and make good plays, and, and they certainly did. So, you know, we need the balance. We need success on both fronts, not, not just the one. And so taken together, it's more than just a little bit exacerbate, uh, exasperating that, you know, it may have contributed, may not. I've contributed to my uh, over self-medicating on Brownwater Saturday, but uh, it's just like, gosh, we're right there and we're giving it away. Again, fortunately, we walked out uh, with the win. So let me call out some uh, additional, you know, performances here. Most of these would be good. Rotation at the uh, quarter cornerback. That may be clarifying, although I would say interestingly so. Uh, Taron Arnold, who we thought might be sort of the, the – he thought we thought he was the fourth of four, and he rotated in for Kyrie uh, Jackson, who started the game. And uh, I thought uh, I thought Taron Arnold played phenomenal. 
McKinstry definitely can play physical. We like that. I think that's something he can dial back just a little. And, uh, you know, sometimes they'll let you play, which sometimes they did against Texas, and sometimes they didn't. And so they called him. So I think he's just got to dial that in just a little bit. Curiously, Eli Ricks didn't play, so I did not see or hear on my TV. I didn't see him. That doesn't mean he wasn't in the roster somewhere. It, it, it points in the game or on special teams, but uh, I didn't. My TV did not register him as having played, and I'm gonna I'm gonna say color me surprised on that. I thought that he might have started the game uh, ahead of Kyrie and certainly Arnold. I thought that he might have come in for Kyrie when we made the change, and we did not. It was it was Terry. So that's interesting. Uh, maybe we'll hear something this week about that. DeMarco Hellams, I thought, played an outstanding game. He had 10 tackles, uh, eight were solo. He seemed that he was making plays all over the field. Uh, looked like he had an injury. I don't know if it was a stinger or sort of a, a, a neck, but he came back. And so that was good. Uh, and there were a couple of times I saw Hellams uh, locked up in coverage. And I was really pleased, nervous, uh, but then pleased to see how he acquitted himself in those situations. So DeMarco Hellams, it's week two. But he may have made a very wise decision in coming back and working on components uh, of his game. I would say DeMarco Helms, number two in the secondary, keep an eye on him because he has looked really good in two games. And this Texas game, I thought he looked outstanding. Uh, Jalen Moody is another player. Holy cow. He's the team leader in, in tackles. He had 10 tackles on the day. He had a sack. Uh, he had a, a tackle for loss. And so Jalen Moody is another player that is really – uh, stepping up and stepping out. He has waited and waited and waited for his opportunity at the linebacker position. It looked like it might not come. It looked like he was going to transfer out. And when Christian Harris put his name in the uh, uh, declare for the draft, then Jalen Moody said, okay, that's the, that's the open lane I need. I will go back and compete for that position. And he's earned it, and he is playing very well. We talked about him potentially losing that position to Deontay Lawson. And Moody is in no mood for that kind of talk. And um, I think uh, he, he is playing playing very well, very physical. He's going to be an asset to this defense without question. Will Anderson, we know and love Will Anderson. You know, he's got to figure out the line of scrimmage, uh, the rules in, in that regard. But he still had uh, a productive day. He had a sack. He had two TFLs. And on special teams, which we'll talk about here in a minute, he made an outstanding play. And net, he had uh, – he had five tackles. I think Will Anderson was something, was someone, is someone that offenses look for and watch out for. And they certainly, Texas certainly did. And so maybe a little bit of frustration uh, from Will's side, maybe a little bit of just anxiousness. He hadn't gotten a sack yet and he lines up offsides because he's trying to get after him. I think he just needs to slow down, calm down. He needs to do what he would tell the next guy to do. He would tell someone not to do the things that he did. He needs to come back take a deep breath, self-evaluate, and say, you know what, that's not my game. I'm going to go next week and play my game. And uh, if Will plays within himself, that's all we need. That's all we need. Uh, Dallas Turner, I love the youngster. I don't like him one-on-one uh, coverage against a against a running back. I think that's the, the mismatch that Texas was hoping for. They got it. They got a big play uh, in a pass to uh, Bijan Robinson. I think overall the defensive line is improving. And they will continue to do so. I think there's they're not going to rack up big numbers. I don't know that we're going to have sort of a sack artist from from the interior, so to speak. Uh, we've sort of gotten spoiled to that. But I think the defensive front is going to continue to improve and continue to play well. Defensive mini game ball. I'm giving it to Taryn Arnold. Taryn Arnold. I'm going to tell you why. When he came in, 
you stop here you stopped hearing Xavier Worthy's name and when Arnold was in you didn't hear his name and uh, and so when you're a cornerback and you don't hear your your opponent's name or your name then you've won you've played well and so Terry and Arnold mini game ball for not hearing a darn thing about his play. Uh, I know that sounds silly, but we all understand what I'm saying. All right, let's talk about uh, special teams here. It begins and ends with Royal Reichert, uh, not just on special teams, but on the day. Two for two on his field goals, and, boy, that just sounds kind of pedestrian. You know, what he was two for two on field goals, you know, when we – Utah State. But two for two on field goals had a completely different meaning uh, against Texas. Uh, early in the game, Will Reichert, uh, first possession – Will Reichert went out there and hit a 52-yard field goal in hostile territory. All of the things you would want to say, uh, he went out and nailed a 52-yarder, which is a long kick by any stretch of the imagination. And he sat on the sidelines, got a couple PATs, uh, kicked some balls out of the end zone, which we love to see that. And uh, he came in within the final minute and kicked a game-winning 33-yarder. And so tremendous day uh, by, by Will Reichert. His two-for-two was so much more than two for two. If you could like put a star and an asterisk and sprinkles and glitter on that two for two, that's what Will Reichert's two for two was on Saturday. Uh, James Burnup got a lot of practice, uh, six punts for an average of uh, just shy of 42, which is not terrible. Like it to sort of inch up there a little bit, but uh, it's, it's not terrible. He had a long of 50 and he had three inside the 20. Uh, not that this would be Burnup's fault, but uh, there were no blocks. There were no punt blocks. And so that's something that we saw. Alabama had a punt blocked uh, a week ago. And so with six attempts, it was good to see that there were uh, no punts blocked. And uh, James Burnup, though, was really no uh, Daniel uh, Trejo for Texas, who I thought really had an outstanding game. Uh, he had a long of 61. He flipped the field a couple times. He really bottled up uh, Kool-Aid on, on returns. And so, you know, you talk about a, a team that – is not favored that where they can play an equalizer style of game is in the uh, is in special teams and boy uh, uh danny trejo really attempted to do that saban i thought was i'm glad that he called him out because it's something you know fans should think about and pay attention but uh trejo especially with that 61 yarder really reversed uh really flipped the field put alabama just in a pickle and uh, really bottled this up, and that put Texas in, in a really good sort of field position place. And, uh, and again, the defense sort of stepped up and, and sort of helped us in that regard. But, uh, you know, nonetheless, uh, I want to call out their good performance. Not that I'm mad at it burn up at all, uh, but uh, Trejo certainly had a day. Uh, Will Anderson got his hand on a field goal in the half. We would have been happy just in that moment. We would have been happy to give them that three. Much later in the game, we were so glad they didn't have that three. And so uh, that was a, a critical play uh, in, in a tight game that's full of critical plays. That was one. Uh, Gibbs had, and we love Gibbs, and we've said a lot of nice things about Gibbs. Gibbs had 36 yards of uh, kickoff returns. And I'm going to tell you, that's the fakest number on the play sheet. That's the fakest number in the, in the box score. Uh, I think if he had let both of those go, the team would have netted 50. And... Um, I'm just a, a proponent of let the ball go into the end zone. They'll let you fair catch it from, from anywhere now. Take it on the 25. That's just – I don't know how to say that any more plainly. 
And uh, I don't understand why that would, why that isn't a thing. You still have the opportunity in a critical situation, or if you've practiced something and you see something, you want to take advantage of it. But on a play, play in, play out, it, it contributes to fake stats. And I guarantee you, I promise you this, if they clean that up, they're looking for how do we make these plays safer, stat them right, and you'll see a lot less uh, of that. If Gibbs had a negative 14 yards on the kick return, and I'm not mad at Gibbs, I'm just saying any guy, uh, if he had negative return yards, then they'd stop returning him. So that, that's just straight up the truth. All right, so, uh, again, not mad at Gibbs. He's electric. His value to the team is quite clear, and uh, I just hated that there was a fixed stat there in his in his numbers because his total numbers look like, holy cow, he had an incredible day, but 36 of them are fake, and that was maybe 20-ish percent of his overall production. So there you go. Uh, next up, Louisiana Monroe. Yes, that Louisiana Monroe. Uh, respectfully, this is a get-right game for Alabama. It's all about us. It's not about them. It's not about the Warhawks. I'm sorry, guys. Uh, but this game is about Alabama. Uh, getting Alabama back at home after that Texas game where there's so many things that can be corrected easily that need to be corrected, and the players need to demonstrate that they can correct it, that's not that's not where you want to catch uh, a Nick Saban team. And so that's what the Warhawks have ahead of them. I think this Alabama offense needs to crack 40. Some of you will say 50. I will not disagree. I think we need to get Bryce off of – Bryce is the leading rusher for the team. We need to get his name off that list. We need to get the game off of Bryce's shoulder in a way that it was this last week. And we need to dial in the offensive line. And I think we know one change that we're going to see. And uh, for my money, I would go ahead and make both of them, uh, especially against these next couple of opponents. But uh, we'll see what the tie does on Saturday, what sort of rotations we may or may not see there. And the defense, you got to stop the penalties. We talked about seven penalties on Texas scoring drives. You got to clean that up. You got to cut that in half. Penalties are going to be a part of the game. I'm not mad at that, but you got to cut that in half especially on and which is the cart and which is the horse is it you know i don't know but you cut that number in half and we talked about this a minute ago i'm not trying to harp on it i'm not trying to you know if and nuts and candy and whatever but the reality is you dial back those seven penalties and you start to at some point you start to dial back texas scoring and in a game that's a one point margin you start taking points off the board for the other team and it, it does miracles to to the overall sort of complexion uh, and, and flavor of the game. So we've got to stop the penalties. We've got to increase the quarterback pressures. And I think we're going to see that, not necessarily manufactured like with the corner blitz. Who saw McKinstry having the first sack of the season? And uh, uh, But we've got to increase the quarterback pressure from just the, the straight set. And uh, I think all of this starts to come together. And I, I know, you know, go Warhawks, but I, I know it's not that caliber of opponent. As, as we saw last week against Texas, but we can see the team do the things, correct the things uh, that had they done against Texas, which is eminently doable. It doesn't matter who your opponent is. Block the right guy on a wide receiver screen. I don't care who the guy is. Uh, execute it the right way. Run the route. Sit down in the route when it calls for. It doesn't matter who you're playing because you can do that against anybody. You could do that against an NFL team, if you, but, you, but you as the individual have to do it. And so we can see improvement against this opponent in those areas. And I think that we will. Uh, I predict that this is a, um, a 42 to 10 style game and uh, I'll take more and give less if, if that's where we want to go with this. But right now 
I'm looking at this as a 42 uh, to 10 style game. And so with that, this has been another edition of the Alabama Football Podcast, Roll Tide. Thanks for listening to the Alabama Football Podcast. We love that you're tuned in and hope that you enjoyed the show. We encourage you to reach out and let us know what you like, where we can improve, or just to shout out a Roll Tide. We are where you are. iTunes, Facebook, Twitter, email newsletters, T-shirts, free roster downloads, and of course, on the web at alabamafootballpodcast.com. Check us out where you'll find easy links to your favorite way to follow the tide. Got that, Coach? Of course. Roll Tide. Every day, we rise, challenging ourselves to work for what we believe in. At U.S. Border Patrol, protecting our borders is more than a job. It's a calling. Agents answer the call, working together to keep our country and communities safe. If you are ready for a new mission, join U.S. Border Patrol and go beyond. Learn more at cbp.gov careers.